Well, take your Bibles, join me in Philippians chapter 3. Let's begin by reading verses 9 through 14. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So far in this set of verses, we have seen a progress which takes place in the life of the child of God. First and foremost, we have seen in verse 9 that we must be found in Christ by faith. We must be saved. We must trust in Christ's righteousness, not having any of our own righteousness. Once we are found in Christ, then we saw in verse 10 that we are to know Christ more and more. As we grow in our knowledge of Christ, we move on to knowing the power of His resurrection. This is where we are learning to die to self. We are getting victory over sin, and we are bearing fruit. Then as we keep growing, and we keep doing what Christians ought to be doing, then we will eventually begin to experience the fellowship of His sufferings. And if we are truly sold out for Christ, we will not only join in Christ's sufferings, but we won't give up through the sufferings. And these sufferings will in turn make us conformable unto His death. At this point, it won't matter the consequences of following Christ, but we're going to follow Him outside of the gate, bearing His cross, joining Him in His humiliation, His disgrace, and His shame. Remember from last week, Hebrews 13, 13, Let us go forth therefore unto Him without the camp, bearing His reproach. Romans 1, 15 and 16 says, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So in verse 9, we see the doctrine of justification. This is where we're declared righteous by the merits of Jesus Christ, not of our own. And in verse 10, we see the process of sanctification. This is as we are growing in our relationship with Christ and we are being transformed into His image. And with that, let's pick up in verse 11 and look at this again. It says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So we have seen justification, we have seen sanctification, And now we see the doctrine of glorification. As Paul mentions that he's looking forward to the day that he is glorified through the resurrection of the dead. Psalm 17, 15, David said, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. 
I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 49 through 54. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. We're going to be changed one day, amen? The Bible says in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Whoop. What a blessing to know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because in our flesh we are all an unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we know that in us, that is in our flesh, there dwells no good thing. And it wouldn't be called glory if our flesh could get in. Revelation 21, 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, there must be a process whereby we drop this robe of flesh and we get changed. We have to go through this process. We are one day going to be glorified, whether it be the Lord returning or what's going to be for most of humanity, and that is through the process of dying. And so while in the body of the flesh, through the process of sanctification... We are presently being conformed into the image of Christ. But to be glorified means we're going to be completely transformed into His image. We will one day be like Him. We will one day awake in His likeness. Now, that's great. But what we need to know is that leading up to glorification, the Bible principle is to suffer. Isn't that great? Suffering always precedes glorification. Therefore, we see in this set of verses, verses 9 through 11 here, a continued progression. Justified, progressively sanctified more and more, glorified into His likeness. But what happened in verse number 10 first? The fellowship of His sufferings. We're going to suffer in Christ. There's going to be some difficulties along the way. But that's what leads to our glorification. Christ suffered in the flesh. And when He rose again, He was glorified. 1 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11. It says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Suffering 
and then glory. He suffered first, and then Christ was glorified. Mark 16, 12 says that when Jesus appeared, He appeared unto them in another form. The two that were walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. Something was different, amen. He had a different form. They didn't even recognize that it was Christ. And so it is with us. We must suffer before being glorified. Jesus said to James and John and their mother, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. He said, You will drink of my cup. You will suffer. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. The sufferings will vary from each individual here. There will be different degrees of suffering. There will be different circumstances that take place in your life. But you will suffer. Sufferings may vary based on political climates. Certain nations are suffering right now if you're a Christian very badly. We might be heading in that direction. It may be something that happens more regionally. We're very blessed here in Rapid City. But there's other parts of the country where they're not so blessed. And so the sufferings that we go through, they're going to vary. But we are all going to face sufferings to some degree in this life because it has to precede being glorified. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Peter is saying, look, the fiery trials are coming. We just need to settle that. And you will be partakers of Christ's sufferings. So don't think it's strange when it comes your way. But a lot of people do. And they start accusing God of being unfair, being unloving, not understanding what I'm going through. And No, He understands. And we have to go through these things. Now, this is backwards from the modern prosperity gospel movement. In our day, many are, are preaching and teaching that come to Christ, everything will be just fine. If you give me your seed money, I'll promise that God's going to return it a hundredfold. There's all this nonsense going on out there and these psychology lessons that are taking place in the pulpit when the Bible is actually very clear. You're going to go through it. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. You're going to go through it. The Bible tells us that these sufferings, and here's what you need to get as you go through your sufferings. The Bible says that our sufferings are nothing to be compared to what we will have one day in glory. In other words, go through the sufferings because your reward is far greater than you can imagine. Romans 8.18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And Paul went through it. And he said, look, the, the sufferings I go through, they are nothing compared 
to eternity. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18 says, For our light affliction, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And because of our sufferings preceding being glorified, the Bible then speaks of us needing to endure until the end. Not enduring to the end as in a five-point Calvinist who uses the P and the tulip acrostic to mean the perseverance of the saints in order to keep your salvation. That's not what the Bible means when it talks about enduring to the end to be saved. But rather, if we endure to the end, our lives will be delivered. We will either be saved or delivered out of our sufferings. God will remove it in some way. Or we will continue in our sufferings until we die in our sufferings and thereby be delivered through the process of death. Amen. So when we think about the martyrs, for example, that had to endure so much and go to the stake and be burned alive and all these things, was, was God delivering them? Yes. Yes. Because when they died, they were delivered to glory. And so one way or the other, if we endure, He's there for us. James uh, 5, 10 and 11 it talks about the blessings of enduring. So when we think about, I'm going to read it here in a minute, when we think about enduring unto the end, we're not talking about we've got to endure in order for us to keep our salvation and be saved, but we are enduring unto the end because we understand that there is a reward day coming. There is a day when we will be with Christ in eternity. That's the ultimate reward. And so James, he says, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So that word happy there in James, it means to be blessed. James says we, we count those who endure to be blessed. If you are enduring through sufferings, there's blessings to come. And we must be patient through our afflictions. James then, he mentions there the patience of Job. But he follows it up with mentioning the end of the Lord. You look at someone like Job and what he's going through and it looks like there's no hope. I mean, could you imagine having a day like Job did? And yet, the end of it, enduring through it, there were blessings. Everything was restored. And then some. And so there was a blessing for being patient through the affliction, suffering through the tribulation. Romans 2, 6 and 7 who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. What's the ultimate reward? It's eternal life. 
seeking for that, being, being patient, continuing in patience, seeking for glory, honor, immortality. The problem is many do not endure the sufferings. Amen. Therefore, what happens to them? They miss the blessings in this life. And then, of course, there's blessings which will accompany us at the end when everything will be tried by fire. God will give out rewards. And if you don't endure through the sufferings, you're going to miss out on the reward. You're going to miss out on the blessings. So we're not talking about uh, maintaining salvation here. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 20 and 21, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and and with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For a while he's willing to put up with it. For a while he's willing to endure. For a while he's willing to suffer and go through affliction. And, and he's willing to do that for a while. But then it says, When tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Which means he stumbles and he falls. And he doesn't endure until the end. He only endures for a while. And that man is going to miss out on the blessings that God has. So we're talking about enduring through sufferings and patient through tribulation in getting the blessings that are involved in that. No suffering for the present is joyous. I don't like going through suffering. And it's not pleasant to go through. But if we are keeping our eyes on eternity, on the Lord Jesus Christ, then as we go through those, we can more patiently endure them because we understand that on the back side of that, there's going to be a blessing. I hated going through OTS, officer training school. When you've been in for 14 years and you have to go back through basic training, it's terrible. Amen. Especially when it's a student-run organization and you've got some 22-year-old yelling at you. But I just kept enduring because I knew what the reward was on the back side of that. It's the same thing spiritually. We keep enduring through it. See, I don't like what I'm going through right now. Stay with it. Stay with it. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 15. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a, there's a day when we'll obtain that glory of Christ, but then it says this, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Don't give up. Be immovable. Hebrews 11, 25 through 27, talking of Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He said, I would rather have the afflictions of this world, knowing that on the back side of that, there is rewards that are greater than Egypt could have ever given me. And he was up there in Egypt, amen? 
He said, I'd rather have the afflictions. I'd rather be with the people of God and suffer with them. I'd rather endure all that because there's greater riches awaiting. Some of this is kind of a rabbit trail, but back to our text, we are first found in Him, we're justified. We grow, we become partakers of His sufferings. We are being sanctified and finally, we're going to be glorified. That's our glorification. Now, why does verse 11 read like Paul was doubtful of attaining unto the resurrection of the dead? Isn't that what it sounds like? If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Well, let me give you my opinion. I think Paul, number one, is being humble, but there's more to it than that. He just got done saying in verses 4 through 8 all that he was while he was in his Judaism all those accolades that he had. But then he says, I had to count them all lost in order that I might win Christ. And then he explains how he's in Christ and he's knowing the power of his resurrection. He's, he's knowing the fellowship of his sufferings. He's being made conformable unto Christ's death. And I believe in verse 11, he may be saying, I suffer all that I do for Christ, if by any means I might be glorified. Now that I might be glorified. I think he's saying, I want to be glorified. Listen now. I want to be glorified as much as I possibly can in this life. It's this progression we've been talking about. Listen, he's no longer hung up on, am I saved or am I not saved? If you're in that stage, fine, but you need to get past that at some point. He's no longer in that stage. He's no longer in the stage of, man, I, I really need to get to know Christ a little bit better. No, he knows Christ. He's labored in the Word. He's preached. He's been instant in season, out of season. He's been there. He's gone through it all. He's gone through the fellowship of his sufferings. He's, he's being made conformable unto his death. And now he's saying, you know what? I want more. I want to be like him now. I want to be glorified now. I want, to, I want people to see Christ in me. And I say this because of what he writes next in verses 12 and 13. So first he says, if by any means I might attain. But then he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before Paul is explaining, man, I, I want this glory. I, I want to honor my God, but I know that I'm not fully there yet. I, I want to attain unto what the resurrection of the dead is. What is the resurrection of the dead? I just spent the first half of the sermon telling you. It's being glorified with Christ in eternity. He says, I want to attain that. If, 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 I, could, if I could attain it now, I would. If there was a way, if I may can do this now, I would want to do it. But he says, I know I haven't attained it. And he says, I know that I'm not perfect. But that's his desire. Notice that he equates the attaining of the resurrection of the dead unto perfection. Not that I have attained. Attained what? The resurrection of the dead. Either were already perfect. And so what he's saying is, I want to attain unto the resurrection. I want to be perfect. I want to be fully complete, not perfect in the sense that we read it in other passages where we understand that we are perfect in Christ, we are complete in Christ, but he's talking here in context of our ultimate perfection of being complete in glory. One day we will be perfect, amen? 
But in this body, we are not yet fully perfect. Neither will we ever be. So stop beating yourself up to death every time you make a mistake. Get back up. A righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up and he gets back at it. But so many people get hung up in their past. Paul said, look, i got to forget those things that are behind me. So what does Paul do in his life? He says, I follow after. Or I pursue after. This is runner's language. I follow after. Paul is saying, I am still running my race. I'm still pursuing this perfection that I greatly desire. I know I haven't attained it yet. I know I'm not perfect, but I am following after it. I am going for that. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. <laughs> Boy, we need that verse today, amen. Run to win. <clears throat> well, you're all winners. You're not. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. I beat my body up. I keep it in subjection. He says I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Hebrews 12, 1-3, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How do we run? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, but look at what followed that and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sufferings and then glory. For considered him uh, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We're in a race. We all have our race to run. In our race, there's going to be sufferings. There's even going to be weights, things that easily beset us, sins that we battle. But we're in a race. But when we endure as we run our race with patience, we do so to win because there is a prize to be won. You keep running. So Paul says, I'm still running. I'm still pursuing. I'm not giving up. Why? Because he says that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He is saying that I am trying to seize, take hold of that which, for also, which I also was seized of Christ Jesus. You see, Christ had apprehended Paul or Saul of Tarsus at the time, and, and Saul could no longer kick against the pricks that were in his heart. And Christ seized Saul. Christ converted Saul to the Apostle Paul, and now Paul is seeking to take hold of his ultimate conversion in glory. 
Christ apprehended Paul with eternal life, and now Paul is trying to apprehend Christ's likeness in his eternal life. And ultimately, I think Paul is saying, I was apprehended of Christ, and now all I'm trying to do is apprehend Him. He seized me. He arrested me. He apprehended me. And now I'm running that I might obtain an incorruptible crown. Running after Christ. I'm keeping my eyes on Him. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. And then he reiterates in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it. You know what he's saying here? I know I haven't arrived. Don't try to take out of what I wrote in verses 4 through 8 and how I had so much and I gave it all up and, and now I really think I'm somebody because I'm, I'm following in his sufferings. I'm being conformable to his death. He's saying, look, I'm just like you. I, I haven't arrived. I haven't attained anything. I want to badly. That's my goal. But I'm not there yet. But this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind me. Some of you have been hurt along the way in your race. You've got to forget it. You've got to put it behind you. Because it will affect your running. When a runner decides to turn around, it's going to affect their momentum. And if they stay turned around long enough, they're going to veer off course. He says, I'm not there yet. And I'm going to forget those things that are behind me because I'm reaching forth unto the things which are before Keep looking ahead. Keep looking unto Jesus. Some of you might be going through it tonight. Keep your eyes on Christ. And as Paul kept looking forward in his race, he said in verse 14, I press toward the mark. And that's more runner's language. The mark is the finish line, amen? And the runners, when the tape is stretched across the finish line, they, they press for that tape. They want to be the first to touch it. And they press towards the mark. At the end of the race, there's a prize. Verse 14 goes on to say, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So the prize here is the high calling of God. This will be our final glorification when we will be in His perfect likeness and in full glory with Christ. Therefore, the prize is Christ Himself. We're trying to apprehend Christ because He apprehended us. We love Him because He first loved us. Why do we do what we do? Why do we show up on a Tuesday night? Why do we give? Why do we try to fill Jerusalem with our doctrine? Why, why do we do these things? Because we're trying to apprehend Him. There's a prize. And you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. It's Christ. He gave us eternal life. And now we're running after our eternal life in glory. We are racing to be with Jesus for all eternity. So Paul here, he is not being doubtful of attaining unto the resurrection, even though it may seem like the way it's worded. He's clear after the fact but he's, he made it clear in his other writings that he never doubted the resurrection of the dead. Paul had already endured persecutions for holding to the resurrection. When Paul was arrested uh, 
in Jerusalem, he said, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, am I called into question? <laughs> I'm arrested because I believe in the resurrection. When Paul was on trial again on his way to Rome, he stood before Governor Felix, and he reiterated the same thing. The whole reason I'm before you today is because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so Paul very definitely believed and was absolutely assured that he would be resurrected. Just look at verses 20 and 21 real quick. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Oh, he believed in the resurrection. So I believe all Paul is saying here is I just want to do the best I can in this life. I've been so apprehended by Jesus that all I want is His likeness. That I just want to keep pursuing it. All I want in this life, all I want, is I want to look like Him. I want to be like Him. I want to act like Him. I want to have His glory. And that's what Jesus prayed over in John 17. And while I know I haven't attained it, and while I know I am not yet perfect, I'm going to keep running after Christ. I'm going to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to forget those things that are behind me so that I can reach for those things which are in front of me. Now, how about you tonight? In this process, we find in these verses, are you to the place where your one desire in life, this one thing you do, is it to be as much like your Lord as you possibly can be? We know we're not going to fully attain this while in our flesh. and We know we will not reach complete perfection in this life. But I want to ask you tonight, are your eyes fixed on eternity? Are you enduring afflictions, tribulations, and sufferings? Please don't give up. God will deliver you one way or the other. And this is so important because we... When we get to this phase in our, our process of being found in Him, knowing Him, fellowshipping with His sufferings, and then being conformable in His death, and then wanting to be glorified and just have him, him as the center of our life and all that we do and all that we are, it's important because we have to always remember, listen, this world is not our home. And when we get our eyes off of that, that's when we mess up in our race. And listen to me, teens tonight. I know, we've all been there. You're thinking about what life has in store for you. Keep your eyes on eternity. You're going to look and think, boy, it'd be nice to this, 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 that. Boy, the years I wasted. This world is not our home. We're just pilgrims and strangers passing through. That car is not that important. That land is not that important. That house doesn't have to be the greatest one on the block. Amen, people? Amen. Keep your eyes on eternity. Don't get so attached to something in this world that it gets your eyes off of Christ and off of the prize of the high calling of God. Keep running your race. Let's pray.